the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. But also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is DFS simplified. Head over to PrizePicks.com and use the promo code SGP for a 100% deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by Sobet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at Sobet.io. That's Sobet.io. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGP. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGP. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and free podcasts. You are listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also follow the BetMUFC account. That's at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. That's where we tweeted out a full breakdown of the game between Chelsea and Man United with a free play on the game that cashed 
Had you been following BetMUFC, the Twitter account, you would have got a link to that free play as we cashed a Build-A-Bet winner for the game between Chelsea and Manchester United on Sunday. To get all of my additional content, check out my website, LockBetting.com. That's LockBetting.com, where I've guided my clients to 102 months in a row of transparent track profit. We go for the 103rd this month. This is the best time to sign up because you get the entire month of content. If you sign up later on in the month, which you can, you can sign up on the 10th, 15th, 20th, but it will bill you immediately and it will bill you again on the first of the month. I use Patreon. My website links to Patreon because Patreon allows me to be fully transparent and tracked. The way it works is I put out all my posts and members can comment underneath every single one. And that's most important for the PL spreadsheets. For 102 months in a row, I have genuinely made all of that transparent track profit for over eight years. I genuinely haven't had a single losing month and the spreadsheets back that up and using Patreon makes that fully transparent and clear because everybody can comment underneath. Had there been any kind of bet missing, added, if the numbers didn't add up, trust me, guys would pick it up. I probably have guys making their own spreadsheets about my plays so you know it's genuine. I do have 102 months in the bank So sign up as soon as you can. Big, big month. We know how hectic the EPL gets at the end of the month towards Christmas. We know we have NBA action every single night. We know we are getting towards the end of the NFL regular season. We are about to cash a whole bunch of NFL futures. And we are also about to cash a whole bunch of Champions League futures. Now, you can't get in on those futures. I'm just making it clear on the show that we make a large sum of our money from betting the futures. So you must never, ever miss a future. We'll have a whole bunch of other futures coming up for the NFL postseason as well. We'll be posting those in January. So it's a great time to get involved with so much happening in the month of December. Head over to the website lockbetting.com and be a part of that 103rd month in a row of Transparent Track Profit. Look at the pinned tweet over at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer for spreadsheets. Have a look at the pinned tweet for the previous month of spreadsheets, but all the spreadsheets are available at lockbetting.com. So moving on here with BetMUFC, we started at the top of the show as we usually do with a look back at the game that Manchester United played last, which was the one-all draw against Chelsea. I feel we were robbed of the win, not because we dominated the game. Chelsea largely dominated the game. You heard most of the clips there were, were Chelsea chances after the goal. But at the end of the day, Chelsea's goal that they scored shouldn't have been a goal. Now, we've got that idiot that scouts more on Jamie Carragher on there saying that Wan-Bissaka kicked through the back of the player. That isn't what happened at all. Wambasaka was clearing his ball. He was clearing his lines and a player ran across him and initiated contact. Now, if that's how we're giving away penalties nowadays, all players need to do is when players are making clearances, just throw your body down across the clearance. And if you get any kind of contact on you, apparently that will be a penalty. In no way, shape or form was this a penalty. Maybe it is in 2021, but it hasn't been in 2020, 2019, 2018. For all the years that that soccer has existed, for all the years we've been watching the EPL, that hasn't been a penalty. That was a ridiculous penalty to give away. And I don't know what Jamie Carragher was talking about, but need not worry, Man United fans, because Jamie Carragher was soundly taken apart 
by Roy Keane later on in the studio. This is a long audio clip, but this is a great audio clip. That's why it has to be here on the show. I've limited the rest of the audio clips we have. After this, we're going to talk mainly about the interim appointment of Ralph Ragnick and, of course, the Man United-Arsenal game that takes place today. But have a listen to this as Roy Keane takes apart Jamie Carragher in a heated debate, which was actually over Cristiano Ronaldo and why Manchester United bothered to resign him. Why Carragher's trying to give him a high five, I don't know. Let him get down the tunnel. And there's nothing wrong with the player being upset. Nothing wrong with that. But Ronaldo has not come back to Manchester United to sit on that bench. What is the point? He's a world-class player. He's fantastic. His stats since he's come to the club are okay. You know, he's got some goals and assists. This idea that Ronaldo is going to start closing the people down, is not. But sometimes you have to walk around the superstar. I played with players who don't do the bit that you hope. The Canton is of this world. But you forgive him because, you know, these are guys who scored the winning goals in the tight matches. Ronaldo's got to be in the starting eleven, And this idea, managers rested him. They played the other night. Villarreal didn't take a big lot out of the players. They're not playing until Thursday night. He could have played today easily. Do you think Rangnick will see it like that? No. No, I think Ranić will not cause himself a problem initially coming into the club and, and, and putting Cristiano Ronaldo on a bench. Uh, but I think this idea that Cristiano Ronaldo has to start every game and play every minute of every game, I don't think it's right. I think going away to big games, I can understand why Michael Carrick never started today. You saw when Oli brought him off in Switzerland, I think, in, in an early group game. They were down to 10 men in the game. They brought him off and they lost the game because of a Jesse Lingard bad back pass. And it was this big story. He brought Ronaldo off. He's 36. He then didn't start him against Everton. Ronaldo walked down the tunnel. Now, Ronaldo's not the player he was. He's still, obviously, delivering for Manchester United in terms of goals. But I, I don't think it should be a big story if Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't start every game or at times comes off. Not every game, Jamie. But it, this, is, this, this is a big game for Man United too. you. I, I'd forgive some of the other the group games in the Champions League where still thinking United are going to get through. I understand that. But Ronaldo, if, if you bumped into him in the car park, you see a guy who's won everything in the game, who's come back to United to try and lift the club. Of course he'd want to play in these games. Of course he'd want to play. That's well, that's every player, bro. doesn't want to play in the game. Yeah, but they're not all world class. But they're not all world class. They've all scored 800 goals in their career. If you're watching Man United today, and Man United are poor, you're looking and going, you still think if Ronaldo's on the pitch, you're still thinking, whatever your feel is going... Well, let's think if a ball falls to anybody in world football, even now at 36, it's Ronaldo. Stands if he's come back to the club and he's not scored. You go, he can't get up to speed. He looks off it. He looks as if he's not interested. He looks on it. He looks interested. But this idea that he's then getting the blame for the high press, and Ronaldo... But he doesn't press, does he? He's not pressed for four or five, six years. I, I said that when he came back to him. I said, Ronaldo, Ronaldo's not going to fix Man United problems, but you don't bring Ronaldo back to Man United to sit on the bench. Of course, he's not going to start every game, but it's Chelsea away where it's going to be counter-attack. You might get one or two balls into the box. But does he have to press? The thing is, does he have to press? Ronaldo. Do you have to be successful for Ronaldo to press? Exactly. So you need to find a way to get Ronaldo on the pitch and... Rush, do you think Rush would press today? No. Why did Manchester United sign Ronaldo when they signed it? They signed it because they were terrified he went to Man City. That's why they signed it. There was no plan to sign Ronaldo. He was never going to sign him at the last But he was always going to play, Jim. He was always going to play. They're going to sign him just not to go to City, but come and sit with us on the bench. He couldn't say that. No, you see, this one. I'm saying, is, is Cristiano Ronaldo, is a Manchester United manager not allowed to put Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench? Of course he is. They've come here and the, the guy who played scored the goal. What, if, if, show me his. We're talking about, we're talking about stats. Stats obviously taking over the world. His stats since he's come back to Man United are good. Goal scoring wise, yeah. All right. All right. What's the game about? No, what's, the, what's the game about? Where are Man United? The game's about goals, Jamie. Are Man 
trying to the game's about goals. To go in. You said and goals. Well, goals. That's what that's the game's what about. Ian Rush. Ian Rush. What, what did Ian Rush do? He scored goals. Did he press as well? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Ronaldo doesn't. But he didn't score as many as Ronaldo. Ronaldo. I'm not criticising Ronaldo as a player. What can he do at 37? He's a phenomenon in terms of goals. But I mentioned this in midweek with Lionel Messi. Paris Saint-Germain have signed Messi. United have signed Ronaldo, two of the greatest players of this generation. Yes, two of the greatest players of all time. Are Man United closer to the league title right now than they were last season? No. PSG closer to the Champions League with Messi in the team? No. We speak about goal scorers or whatever position you are, you bring your own input to the game. But it's a team game. So you think it's a mistake signing Ronaldo? Well, Ronaldo was never oh. going to get Man United back winning league titles. What was the point of signing him? Come back with the trophy. Did you win the FA Cup? Did you win the FA Cup? Did you win the FA Cup? Yeah, they come back to win the FA Cup and get the Champions League. They've got in the next round of the Champions League. How much do you think that's worth to the club? If you're looking at the business side of it, the glaze, your share price, that's where he's come back from. Yeah. I said if you finish second last year, if you finish second last year, good to you. So you then sign Ronaldo with. You're not going to win the league in four years. If you sign someone at 36, 37, it's to win right now. If you sign Varane, a four times Champions League winner, a World Cup winner, it's to win right now. Are there any closer to the league? A few months ago, when Ronaldo signed for Man United, anyone he said Ronaldo is. No, he's not trying to win the league. What's he come back? Come back to help him win a trophy. What's he here for? So in the meantime, what is he here for? Man Marino didn't win the league. Oh, he won one or two trophies. What? You finished second. So when you won the FA Cup, you won the trophies. Were you not think? Were you not buzzing with that? Man United are a cup team at the moment. You just said Ronaldo will never come here to win the league. What is he here for? To win trophies. What, what are you at Man United cups. for? Cups. Oh, Why not going through this? Is that where Man United have gone? Absolutely. We're happy with Absolutely. Oh, I'm not, but that's where they are as a club. Uh, look at the team, look at the league, look at the last two or three years. They're not going to win the league for the next two or three years, I tell so you. So what would you sign Ronaldo for then, at 37? If they're not going to win in the next two or three years, start getting Greenwood on the pitch, start getting Sancho on the pitch. If they're not going to win the league right now... We're never going to win the league, but Ronaldo was never... So what was the, the point? There's no point signing I'll say it one more time, to win some trophies, FA Cups. Oh. Yeah, I know. That's where they are. Time to go. So let's pick the bones out of that. In hindsight, I'm not actually sure that Keane did rip Carragher apart because as I'm listening to it, I agree with a lot of what Carragher said. The first thing I want to say is I really think Roy Keane has a serious dislike of of Michael Carrick. I don't know why or where it stemmed from, perhaps because Carrick was hailed as the replacement for Keane. He was he was never that. He didn't fill Keane's boots. He was a decent player, but he wasn't Roy Keane. Perhaps it's that. I'm not sure what it is because he was always defending Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and immediately, despite the fact he's had decent results since he's come in, he's he's on Michael Carrick's back. So I don't know what's going on there, but, but Roy Keane certainly doesn't like Michael Carrick. Secondly, as I said, I agreed with some of Carragher's points. Uh, Man United fans were expecting to win the league this season. I didn't hear anybody saying that we're categorically not going to win the league. I think even the ex-players were were looking at Man United being in a position to challenge. And this season is a major, major disappointment. For Man United to be sitting 10th at the moment with the squad they have is an absolute disgrace. I think it would even be bad if Man United were outside, just outside the top four or, or in the top four and six or seven points behind the leaders at this point. I think that would represent a poor season. So this is a really, really poor season, which is why we've seen Ole Gunnar Solskjaer go. There's rumours knocking around in terms of who set up that game plan. Was it Michael Carrick or was it Ralph Ragnick? Because it seemed like a Ragnick game plan in order to do what Manchester United did in that game. And if so, 
What does that mean for Cristiano Ronaldo in the future? Because he's not Ragnick signing, but at the same time, he is getting massive, massive money. Now, if we see Ronaldo on the bench more and more, at the moment, I don't think it's a crisis or a talking point at all. He's come off against young boys. He didn't start the game against Everton and uh, he didn't start this game against Chelsea. Now, I expect him to start these next two games and then probably not start the game against young boys again in the Champions League because we're already through. That would be normal. Um, So I don't think there's much to this. But if it starts being a case of Ronaldo starting half of the games and Ralph Ragnick doesn't really fancy him, then that's going to be a problem. I think there's too much emphasis on this press. I hear it on every show. I talk about it myself, but I try not to constantly be a podcast where when I talk about tactics, I'm going press, 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 press. You must press. You must press. There are other ways to play the game. This whole talk about pressing is relatively new. Initially, we had Jurgen Klopp doing it. It was called heavy metal football. We saw his players press up high up the pitch. We saw Liverpool win in Champions League in the league with it. We also saw Liverpool defend their title really poorly the following season because doing that and running that many kilometres per game and not having the squad to rotate, which Liverpool didn't, ends up costing you in the end. If you are going to play this style, if you are going to press up high up the pitch and get two-on-one situations and create that, you are going to need the squad depth to do it. I think Manchester United have that. But again, I don't think it involves Cristiano Ronaldo. So you have to find a way to play where you get Ronaldo into the team. And like I said, there are other ways to play. You don't have to press. You can counter-attack and play like play in that way. You can dominate the ball possession con- continuously, which means that you only press when you lose it, which is what Manchester City do. Um, there are so many different ways to play. You can be direct, you can be indirect, you can counter-attack. But all we hear at the moment from the media is press, press, press. Or if you have players that can't press, if you have players that can't press up and constantly run the kilometers and close players down, they can't be in your team. Despite the fact that they have unbelievable goal-scoring tactics, there's no place for them in your team because pressing, all of a sudden, the ability to press comes ahead of natural ability. If that's the case, why don't we just sign a whole bunch of 400-meter runners? Why don't we start turning 400-meter runners into footballers? Because they will have the ability to sprint and then consistently maintain that energy throughout the game. Maybe 800-meter runners. I think somewhere in between that middle distance where you can get sprints on, but you can also recover, and then you can play play that way continuously and do that from game to game because that's what we're looking at if this is the future of the game where pressing and the ability to do that is more important than actual footballing ability the ability to score goals and beat players then we may as well start looking at middle distance runners and convince them that hey there's no money in this shit there's no money in athletics you need to convert over to football there's a place for you in the game Every single team is playing this pressing style. Pressing is the way. 19 out of the 20 teams in the Premier League press. This is the only way to play football. This is bullshit. I'm obviously being facetious. None of this is going to happen. So the fact that people are coming up and saying that, oh, Klopp's way is the way to play and Tuchel's team's press and Guardiola's team's press and Klopp's team's press. No, they press to a certain degree, but they all do it in very different ways. This isn't just a generic outline, a generic game plan that everybody's implementing. People press, but then they back off and they get back into their positions. Everybody presses. It's been happening since long before I watched the game. They just talked about in that chat, did Ian Rush press? Yes, Ian Rush did press and he played football in the 80s. So I don't know why there's such a heavy emphasis on this at the moment. It seems to be the current fashion trend at the moment. Things go dip in and out. There was a point in time where everybody was playing a 4-2-3-1 system and having that one striker seemed like a revolutionary thing to do at the moment. We had the counter-attack in football. We have the wing backs with the three at the back. 
So many different styles come into fashion. I remember when Mourinho's style was in fashion, where putting men behind the ball and keeping it tight and trying to take your chances was the fashion. I remember when trying to have 75% of the ball, the tiki-taka was the only way to play. Everybody was trying to play tiki-taka. Everybody was telling their academies to, oh, let's play tiki-taka. Let's get players that play tiki-taka. Let's play players that get, can, can get their foot on the ball. Let's look for those type of players. And everybody was looking for those type of players. And Jose Mourinho's so-called anti-football came at the time at the antithesis when people were pushing tiki-taka, when Barcelona were the, the fashionable team. This is all just something that swings in roundabouts. There are so many different ways to win a football match. There's so many different ways to play the game. You cannot overlook the importance of specifically looking at your opponent on a week-to-week basis and having the squad players there to implement a different game plan on a week-to-week basis. That's how you win football matches. That's how you win a Premier League. Obviously, when you're as good as Manchester City, you don't need to look at your opponents. You can just put a team out there. You're going to play the same style every week and it's going to work for you because you've built that squad and everybody's in sync. And at the moment, this club is not a club that's in sync. They don't have a style of play and they don't know how to play it. Liverpool are in sync, but I still believe they don't have the squad players to continue to play this style. When you take one out and you put one in, if you replace someone like a Mane or a Salah and you had to bring in a a Milamino, I don't think that Liverpool would function correctly or at the same level. And that includes when they make replacements at the back. At the midfield, I think they cope pretty well. I don't think they particularly have a have a good midfield, but they manage to manage somehow with what they have. And uh, I also think Chelsea are a very good team in sync, and that's happened very, very quickly. And that's due to the management of Thomas Tuchel, who is a game-by-game manager, because Chelsea can set up very, very differently. They can prepare individually for teams. They can play three at the back with, with five across midfield and two up front. They can play um, five at the back with just one up top. Uh, they can play the 3-4-3 three, three with, with three up top with the two wingers. They can do so much. They, they, they change constantly. Thomas Tuchel prepares for opponents. And he also looks at the statistics in terms of kilometres run with players and, and how many games they've played in a row. And he will rotate more than any other manager. It's very difficult on a week-to-week basis to pick the Chelsea team because the squad is so good. And the same can be said for Manchester City. This is why these two will be the top two. Liverpool will drop off. Um, whether they play the African nations or not, I, I got a text from somebody uh, to a link saying that there may be some travel restrictions between England and Africa and perhaps the African nation will go ahead without the Premier League players being there. I saw that little piece on that and um, that's obviously because of the new Omicron virus and that could be a thing. Now, does that automatically mean that Liverpool become stronger contenders for the league? Yeah, I think it, they become stronger contenders, but I still don't think they'll win the league because their squad depth isn't up to the level of a Chelsea or a Manchester City. And when you're looking at these teams at the top who most heavily focus on pressing, it would be Liverpool because Manchester City do it when they lose the ball, but they don't have to press very often because they're having 70 to 75% of the ball. Same could be said of Chelsea. And Chelsea, often against certain teams, will just drop back into their shape. They won't try and win the ball back ridiculously early after they lose it. They don't have this ethos where... We must lose, uh, we must recover the ball within eight seconds of losing it. That's a pep thing. It's not a too short thing. It may be something that he implements game to game, but he's a game by game manager. Now, what's interesting and what some of you may have noticed that Ralph Ragnick is being conveyed as this big influence, as this kind of godfather of Thomas Tuchel and Klopp and other managers who he's apparently influenced and Guardiola, when all three of these managers, they have stylistic differences in the way that they play. Yes, he may have influenced them in some way, 
by by creating the Gegen press. But really, is that a major influence? Is it correct to put this narrative out there that Ragnik, who hasn't really won anything compared to the level of these guys, is a better manager than them? He's the teacher. He's the godfather of Guardiola, Tuchel and Klopp. This is a very strange narrative to put out there. It puts a lot of weight of expectation on Ralph Ragnick. There's already a weight of expectation on Man United to improve after having a terrible start to the season. And I don't think this is necessarily true. The guy came up with the Gagan Press. The Gagan Press is essentially run through the entire game. If you lose the ball, try and get the ball back immediately. Uh, Try and get forward as quickly as you can. Don't stall on the ball. Don't pass the ball around from side to side. Get forward as quickly as you can. When we're looking at the year 2020, this isn't revolutionary shit. It's, It's something that I could go into a kid's team and say. I could say, when you have the ball, you have 10 seconds to get from one end to the pitch and I want you to have a shot within 10 seconds. If you lose the ball, I want you to win it back in 10 seconds. How is this a revolutionary thing? How is this massively influential to these top managers? Because it doesn't affect the way that they man-manage. Let's have a look at his man-management skills. Let's have a look how he manages these egos in the locker room. Because let me assure you, let me assure you, coming in as the Manchester United manager is very different to managing Hoffenheim and a developing Leipzig team. It's very different. When you're managing these egos of some of these dickheads like a Maguire and a Luke Shaw and a massive ego like Cristiano Ronaldo, who has the biggest head in world football, let's see how Ralph Radnick manages that. What's his experiences of managing this locker room? It goes beyond tactics. It goes beyond having an influence. It goes beyond telling people, I want you to shoot fast and I want you to win the ball back quickly. But are these players going to do it for you? Are they going to like you? Are they going to respect you? That's where you cannot make the comparisons to man managers like Tuchel and Klopp and Pep Guardiola who have got the maximum out of their players for years and everywhere where they've gone with the exception of when people have gone to PSG because that job is a fucking graveyard like we're seeing with Pochettino at the moment. So I think that is the main thing to watch out for when we're looking at the appointment of Ralph Ragnick as the Manchester United manager whenever he comes in. And it won't be for this Arsenal game because his work permit hasn't cleared in time. So it'll probably be in time for the Crystal Palace game. But in the meantime, we are going to look at this Arsenal game to close out the show. It's going to be a Manchester United team managed by Michael Carrick once again. Manchester United are the even money favourites to win this game. It's 13-5 here on the draw. And it's also 13-5 to here on Arsenal to leave Old Trafford with the away win like they did last season. This is a very difficult game to handicap. It's very difficult to look at a win against Villarreal and a draw against Chelsea and automatically just think this is a game Man United will win because they're at home and because Arsenal struggle against the top teams. When there's a step up in competition this season, we've seen that Arsenal haven't risen to the occasion with the exception of the trip away to Leicester. So you automatically think this falls into a category of a Manchester United home win. But Man United have won just one of their last eight Premier League games. Arsenal have only lost one of their last 12 outings in all competitions, albeit that was that significant step up in competition against Liverpool. And Man United, despite the fact how they've played this season, are held in that category of the big four when you're looking at Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool and Manchester City. That league win that Manchester United had, that last league win, was actually back in September, mid-September, where Man United won away to West Ham. That was the last time we won a game. So it's very concerning for me when you look at that kind of data. It's difficult 
to take Man United. It's difficult to take Arsenal. And this is just generally a very difficult game. I think both teams to score could be the safest way to go. I'm not sure Man United can contain this Arsenal team, although they, they did keep a clean sheet against Villarreal. We've seen them keep a clean sheet against Tottenham as well when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's back was up, up against the wall. So it's not the consistent bet that we've seen cash readily like we did at the start of the season because, of course, Man United weren't contributing towards the scoring when they played against Liverpool and Manchester City as well. So both teams to score hasn't been the free cashing play that it was towards the start of the season. Only four teams have conceded more goals in the Premier League this season than Man United, who have conceded 22. And Arsenal have actually won four of their last five Premier League meetings, while Man United have lost four in six. So looking at all of that, I think this situation is a situation where Man United come out of the blocks and do get the win. But the data tells me you can't play. It's one of those situations where you take Man United or you give Man United to your clientele and you look at these numbers for Man United's form going into the game and it looks like a homer play. It looks like you're unprofessional. It looks like you played Man United because you support Man United and there was no grounds to do it. And that's that's fair enough. And at the same time, you can't take Arsenal to avoid a defeat because you look at the data and you say... Well, look, this is a step up for Arsenal. This was a better team and they've notoriously failed in this spot. And this was a spot where you should have taken them to fail. Man United backs up against the wall, having a good run under Michael Carrick. This is a great spot to take Man United. Why did you take Arsenal? It's a no-win situation and I really don't have a strong enough lean on it to play a significant play. I would go back to the well with both teams to score. I don't trust this Man United defence. I don't think the issues are solved there. But at the same time, I think Man United will be able to score against Arsenal. I think Ronaldo gets back into this game. And I think this is a play that cashes for you here in this game. But it's really not a strong play. There really is no, no super strong play here for this game. It will just be an interesting watch. You have the team that can't step up in competition and you have the team that have just been massively inconsistent and haven't had a win since since September. So that's going to be the interesting thing to watch here. I don't think I'm going to have any kind of significant play on this game tonight here between Manchester United and Arsenal. That's it for this edition of BetMUFC. I'll be back at the weekend to preview the game between Manchester United and Crystal Palace at Old Trafford, which may be Ragnick's first game in charge. But until then, good luck with all of your bets as always and... Thanks for listening.